Jesus, we give you glory. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to be reading verses 13 through 19. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. Okay, yes, Lord. Before we go there, could you um could you turn to Revelation chapter two? I just gotta I just gotta follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. The Lord spoke something into my spirit this morning, and I feel like we need to understand this this morning. And uh, it was revelation for me, and I believe it's going to be revelation for you, and I believe it's going to help continue to build faith. And then we'll get to Matthew chapter 16. But Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. It says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars. The stars represent the pastors and the elders of the church. And as I was reading that, after everything I've been through in the last week and a half, it began to speak to me because it says that he holds the seven stars in his right hand, and his right hand represents power, not a physical, geographical location. God's a spirit. He doesn't have hands. It represents power in his hand of power. And the Lord spoke very clearly to me and said, I've got you in my right hand. And that just ministered so strongly to me, but... Then he reminded me that he's the Alpha and the Omega. And in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. We always talk about Alpha and Omega being the beginning and the ending because it is Alpha is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet and Omega is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And I've said it often that you know, he's the beginning and the ending, and he's everything in between and all that surrounds it and all of that, and that's true. But it's so much more. The Lord was speaking to me this morning. Because not only does every Hebrew letter have a meaning in and of itself, but every Hebrew letter has a numerical attachment to it. And so not only is he all of the ABCs, but he's all of the one, two, threes as well. That's pretty cool. But the Hebrew word for alphabet um, is at. And actually, alphabet comes from the Hebrew term alpha and bet, which is the first two letters of the Hebrew alphabet. But, but it, 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 it's the word at. And I did not know this. But that Hebrew word for alphabet, ot, it actually means signs and wonders. So when Jesus said that he is the alpha and the omega, he was saying he's the old alphabet. He was saying, I am the signs and I am the wonders. And he spoke to me this morning. He said, I am still the God of signs and wonders. 
and we've heard it today already. And if I were to pass the microphone around to certain people, I know they could testify of other signs and wonders that God has done in their lives. He is faithful. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the Ot, the whole alphabet. He is the God still of signs and wonders. And so before we get into the preaching of the Word of God today, I want your faith to rise and understand that He's still a miracle worker. And if you came into this place or you're listening online and you need a miracle in your life, God is a miracle worker. He's still the God of signs and wonders. Before we leave this place today, we're going to get a better revelation, not only of who Jesus is, but who we are in him as a church and who he is through us as a church. That's what's going to happen. There's going to be revelation and there's going to be understanding. There's going to be illumination because the Bible says that the entrance of thy words gives light. And the light of illumination and revelation is going to enter into our hearts today. And we're going to understand a little bit more about who we are supposed to be as a church before we leave this place. So that when we leave this place, we can be the church and not just have this mindset of going to church. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, and some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Uh, Jesus saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? It doesn't matter what everybody else says. Who do you say Jesus is? Is he the God of signs and wonders? Or is he just another good man or another prophet or some historical figure? Who do you say he is? Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the anointed one. That's what Christ means, the anointed one the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, which means son of John, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. My Father which is in heaven is going to reveal some things to us today in this house. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, not Peter being the rock, but upon the rock of the revelation of who he is, the understanding of who he is, the God of signs and wonders who became flesh and walked earth among us, took on flesh and blood because he did not have a body to die and he did not have blood to shed. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins and the wages of sin was death and there had to be death and God cannot die. We read it at the beginning. He doesn't sleep or slumber and nothing he cannot die so he had to take on human form so he could die and so he could shed blood upon that revelation God is going to build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against 
the church and I will give unto thee uh, the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth uh, oh I feel the presence of God in such a powerful way I feel the angels of God in this place I feel the spirit of God moving in this house and the word of God is going to speak and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven I came to preach to somebody today uh, to the church uh, simply from this title the church uh, that Jesus uh, built uh, the church uh, that Jesus uh, built uh, would you put your Bibles down or your electronic devices would you lift your hands unto the Lord and would you lift up a war cry of praise and prayer right now Lord we cry out to you right now you are the God of signs and wonders the Alpha and Omega the beginning and the ending the first and the last the one which was and which is and which is to come the almighty not the somebody but the almighty you are God almighty and you robed yourself in flesh so you could become like us so you could die for us and shed your blood because not one of us was worthy to die and shed our blood for our own sins we owed a debt that we could never pay but you paid a debt that you never owed and we're forever grateful the lord i'm praying right now for a spirit of revelation and understanding to sweep across this place that we would understand not just who you are but who we are in you and who you are through us because we are part of a church that you built and help us from this moment forward to be the church that you built the way you intended for us to be in the name of Jesus would you clap your hands to the Lord one more time I'm already fired up I got more energy than I've had all week long praise God hallelujah you may be seated What is, what is a church? If we're going to talk about the church that Jesus built, we, we need to understand what a church is. Well, I looked it up in Merriam-Webster's dictionary. You know, he knows everything, right? And Merriam-Webster, in all his wisdom and knowledge says that a church is a body or organization of religious believers a denomination a congregation a public divine worship clergy or laity of a religion or a building for public worship that's what mr webster says church is but that just seems so blah <laughs> that seems so dead that seems to come short of what i know the church to be what an insufficient definition of the church that I read about in this book. Have you read the book of Acts lately? <laughs> that doesn't sound like what I read about in the book of Acts, which is the church that Jesus said he was going to build. 
You've heard me say it before, and I'll keep saying it. We're, there's no amen at the end of the book of Acts because it was not supposed to end. There's 28 chapters in the written book of Acts, but we're living in Acts 29. We heard it again at General Conference. If you haven't listened to the messages from General Conference, man, you need to go to the UPCI website, look up all the General Conference messages. You need to listen to every one of them, especially last night's message. But we're living in Acts 29. And so we ought to be an extension and a continuation of what happened in the book of Acts. Because at the beginning of the book of Acts, Luke says, and I might have mentioned this on Wednesday night or or sometime, but I, I feel like I need to say it again. At the beginning of the book of Acts, Luke says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus. He was talking about the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke that we have. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. The implication was, is that the book of Luke ended with to be continued. And the book of Acts was episode two of the book of Luke, if you will. Because Luke began to talk about all that Jesus began both to do and teach. But the book of Acts talks about what Jesus continued to do and teach. But right at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus went back up to heaven and left the disciples who would form what we know it now as the church. And through the church, Jesus continues to do what he began to do and teach in the Gospels. What did he do in the Gospels? He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is still necessary. He said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. So we still have to baptize in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. He said, tarry in in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. And they did that and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2 and that's what gives us the power but Jesus went about cleansing lepers and healing the sick and casting out devils and open, opening blinded eyes and unstopping deaf ears and, and clearing up issues of blood that the doctors couldn't figure out what to do. Every best medical profession professional of that day could not figure out how to stop that woman's uh, uh, issue of blood. But all it took was one touch of the master's garment for everything to be completely whole in her body. Oh, I speak the name of Jesus. Jesus began both to do and to teach it in the Gospels. And then he went to heaven and said, now, church, I want you to continue what I started. And that is what the church that Jesus built is supposed to do. We're supposed to heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and cast out devils and set people free and bind up the brokenhearted and set at liberty them that are bruised and preach the gospel to all nations everywhere. The apostolic church is not just a a, a denomination or an organization, but it's a movement. 
because the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. If you've been around this church long enough, you know my stance on that, that that is an offensive position, not a defensive position of getting behind a fortress and waiting, uh, waiting it out until the enemy's done attacking and gives up and runs away. No, gates are, are meant that, they're, that the enemy is behind the gates trying to keep us out. And when we go up there, he gave us the keys to the kingdom, which means I have the key that unlocks the gates of hell. So I have the key. As a member of the church that Jesus built, I have a key that can walk up to sickness and unlock that gate because sickness is from hell. It's not from God. It was never part of God's plan. I have a key in the name of Jesus, by the stripes of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, to walk up, up to the gate of sickness and jingle those keys and stick it in the lock and open it up and say, in the name of Jesus, be thou made whole. I got the keys to the shackles of addiction in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus. You don't have to leave this place bound by anything anymore because my God said that he's came to set at liberty, to set the captives free. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing and the anointing of the Holy Ghost is upon us because we have the gift of the Holy Ghost and he is the anointing. Christ means the anointed one. So Jesus Christ living in me, that's what the Holy Ghost is by the way. Jesus Christ living in me, that means the anointing. When I have the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, that means the anointing lives in me and is supposed to flow through me so I can walk up to somebody that's addicted and I can unlock those keys and I can say be set free in the name of Jesus woman thou art loose from thine infirmity loose that man and let him go I can speak the devils of depression and say I release the joy of the Lord into your mind you're not going to be bound or tormented by it anymore that's the authority that the church of Jesus Christ has the church that Jesus built Y'all get me riled up already. Ah, Holy Ghost has got me riled up. Listen, the church is not a static organization or denomination. I'm thankful to be a part of the United Pentecostal Church International, but that is not what defines me. What defines me is the Holy Ghost that I have and the doctrine and the acts that I see in this book right here. And if they did it in the book of Acts, then we can do it today in the 21st century. I feel like God has me on a mission wherever I go. No matter where it's at, it's going to be in this church, but wherever else God allows me to preach, we are restoring the glory of the first century apostolic church to the 21st century apostolic church because if we're going to have the end time revival and harvest that God has promised us then it's got to come with all the miracle signs and wonders with the Alpha and Omega the God of signs and wonders that is working in us through us by us and for us to reach this lost world we got to get out there and we got to move against the gates of hell we got to bring light into the darkness because darkness cannot stand against the light. If I came in here at midnight and all the light switches were off and I've done that before and it's really, really, really dark. It's dark at 3 o'clock in the morning when you come here too. 
But the minute I flip on the light switch, the darkness has to flee. Because darkness cannot stand against light. Therefore, if we are a city that is set on a hill, if we are the light of the world, and Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that others may see your good works and glorify your God, which is your Father which is in heaven, that means we are a light. And when I walk into the darkness of this world, things ought to change. That's why we're the salt of the earth too. Because salt is an agent of change. It changes the flavor of something. You walking into your office at work or your warehouse at work or getting into your vehicle at work or walking into a classroom in school or walking into a grocery store or a library or onto a park, it ought to change the very flavor of what's happening in that area because you are salt and you are light. The church that Jesus built is a movement of change. In the beginning, the earth was without form and void. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God began to move upon the face of the waters. And can I, can I tell somebody that the Spirit of God has never stopped moving since that day? The holy men of old, the prophets, wrote the Old Testament as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. And now we have the Holy Ghost living inside us, and He ought to be moving in us and moving through us. And by the way, He ought to be moving us from faith to faith and from glory to glory and from wherever I am to wherever He wants me to be. If the Spirit of God is not moving you, you better get back to an altar and pray back through. Because you need the Spirit of God moving you. You need the Spirit of God leading you and guiding you. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So you ought to, if you got the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost ought to be directing your steps and you ought to be taking those steps. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. So in other words, we're supposed to be walking, not standing still. We're supposed to be moving forward. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church that Jesus built. The Greek word for church is the word ecclesia. And I like the definition of that word so much better than what Merriam-Webster gives. Some of you that's been in Cornerstones, you're kind of looking at me like, yeah, I heard this before. It's all right. Repetition's the best teacher. <laughs> it means the word ecclesia, which is the Greek word for church. It means a legislative assembly of selected ones. We are a chosen generation. That means we've been selected by God. He put his seal on us when he gave us the gift of the Holy Ghost. We are selected. But we are also a legislative assembly. Hmm. We got to get revelation today. We, we, we got to understand this. Lord, let the eyes of our heart be open that we can understand. Let the eyes of our understanding be enlightened right now that we can get this. Vine's Dictionary of Ecclesia says this, that it was used among the Greeks to speak of a body of citizens that gathered together to discuss and determine the affairs of state. 
This is the definition of the Greek word for church, ecclesia. A body of citizens gathered together. We are gathered together. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, church. We are gathered together. A a body of citizens gathered together to discuss and determine the affairs of state. The church was never meant to be a religious institute. I'm messing with people's understanding right now, but that's all right. We got to get the bad stuff out so we can get the truth in. Rather, ecclesia, church, is a political, and I'm not talking Republicans and Democrats, or independents, or Whigs, or any of those old parties, political parties. It is a political and a governmental term that is used primarily to refer to a group of people who are summoned and gathered together to govern the affairs of a city. So what does that mean? That means that, you know, first of all, we understand the church is a spiritual thing, not a physical thing, right? So I'm not saying the church. Now, now, now granted, we, we need some Christians in political office. Don't, if any of y'all feel a call into politics, then as long as you can still stand for truth, then, then go for it because we need some apostolic people in politics. But I don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now. The church is a spiritual thing. The church is not a religious thing. Because it's about relationship, not about religion. And because the church is a spiritual thing, the church ought to be the governing body of the spiritual affairs of a city. I'm going to say it again because this this may be more of teaching for a little bit, but we need we need to get this. The church ought to be the governing body of the spiritual affairs of a city. Church, we need to understand who we are and the power and influence we have. Because when we gather together, we ought to be doing some things that determine the spiritual affairs of our city. Some of y'all are looking at me like, Pastor, you have lost your mind. How in the world do we do that? Well, I'm going to show you. Ecclesia is from two root words. The word ek, which means out of, and klesis, which means a calling. So the church... If you got a pen, write this down, type it on your phone or your iPad, whatever, go back and record it, you know, back and watch the, the live recording later and, and, and write it down again or whatever. The church is an assembly called out of the world in order to stand in stark contrast to the world. Let me say that again. The church is an assembly called out of the world 
in order to stand in stark contrast to the world. There's a reason we don't dress like the world and talk like the world and act like the world. There's a reason we don't listen to the same thing the world listens to and watch the same things that the world watches and read the same things that the world reads and clicks on the same thing that the world clicks on and posts on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat, all the same kind of stuff that, that the world does. Because we are supposed to be a body that gathers together called out of the world to stand in stark contrast to the world. The problem with so many churches is that we're trying to be camouflaged Christians. And there's no such thing. Paul said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Peter said, be ye holy, for I am holy. That means set apart and sanctified. And it means to be pure. It means to be different. You, you, you are not supposed to be the same as the world. You ought not be listening to the same music they listen to. And you ought not be watching the same TV shows they, they watch. You ought not be going to the same amusement parks they ought to be going to. I'm just going to come out and say it. All those people went to General Conference down in Orlando, Florida, and started visiting Disney. I'm like, what in the world are you doing? Do you know what Disney's agenda is right now? To emasculate men and masculinize women and make sure that there are no gender lines anymore, which goes exactly against the word of God because he created them male and female. And I'm not saying that to hate anybody. I'm saying it. it's in the word of God. And if God created you a certain way, then he loves you. And he created you that way lovingly for a specific purpose and a specific plan. And when we go against that, we get out of the creative order. And then bad things happen. Right? And if you're caught up in that kind of lifestyle, come see me. Let's talk. I love you. But Jesus wants to change your life. And he wants to get you back in line with his plan so that you can have fulfillment and you can have direction and you can have understanding and you can have healing. Whatever has caused you to go down that road or down that lifestyle, Jesus still loves you and he still has a plan for you. He just want, he wants to heal whatever it is that caused you to go down the wrong path and get you back on the right path because that's how much he loves you. So I'm not spewing hate here. I'm speaking the truth in love. And you got a lot of churches that are failing because they're ordaining homosexualities into ministry. They're not just tolerating it in their church, but they're ordaining ministers into, into that, that are in that lifestyle, into ministry to lead people. And all they're going to do is the blind leading the blind. That's why the apostolic church is so positioned for revival right now, because we stand for truth. We stand for the word of God, and the world is looking for something that is real. They're looking for love that is real. That's why we don't condemn anybody that walks through these doors. I don't care what they look like or act like or talk like or identify as. We love them. And when they come in here, we love them with the love of Christ, and we hope that they allow the Lord to change them because God can fill them with the Holy Ghost the same way he filled you with the Holy Ghost. 
and God can turn their life around the same way he turned your life. I feel the angels of God in this place. God's heart is for everybody. God, he came to seek and to save the lost. And I don't care whether you're a liar, a murderer, an adulterer, a thief, or 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 uh, a money launderer, or a homosexual, or a transgender, or whatever. I, I don't, it doesn't matter. Sin is sin. But Jesus came to seek and to save you and to take you from being lost to being found. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Come on, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Hallelujah. God's amazing grace. But the purpose of this church that Jesus built is so much greater than we have realized. We are supposed to govern the spiritual affairs of our city, of the state. Jesus promised that he was going to give us the keys of the kingdom. And they are symbolic both of access and of governmental authority and ruling power. Back in those in Bible days, they would wear a key, a key on their shoulder. When the Bible talks about in Isaiah chapter 9, the government shall be upon his shoulder. You know, it, it says, you know, that verse we like to quote at scripture, you know, that, that scripture we like to, to quote at Christmas time. That his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And it says the government shall be upon his shoulder. What does that mean? It means the key is going to be on his shoulder. And Jesus said, I'm the king of kings and I'm the Lord of lords. But I'm given the key, the government that I have as king of my kingdom to my church to be my agents on earth. And that means... That the same authority and the same power he has, he has delegated to the church. We need to get this. I know we're not all pumped up right now, but we need to get this and we need to understand. That. And I still feel the power of the Holy Ghost. And I could really go off and start preaching, but I want to make sure we get revelation and we get insight and we get illumination and understanding today. The church has governing and ruling authority in spiritual matters over our cities, our communities, our families, our neighborhoods, our homes, our country. When the church gathers, there should be a spiritual governing that takes place. There ought to be decisions made in the spirit realm when the church gathers together. That's why our worship is so important. Okay, Brother Sam, I'm going to deviate again here because I, I feel something. King Jehoshaphat put the singers and the praisers and the worshipers in the front. You can read it in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And the Bible says that when they began to sing and to praise... That God set ambushments against the enemy. 
in, he, he began to shake things up a little bit. In the book of Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were chained up in prison and they began to pray and sing praises, things began to change and the earth started shattering and chains started falling off and a whole bunch of stuff happened. Matter of fact, because of that one thing, the church at Philippi was established. <laughs> whatever prison you may be in, whatever problem you may be facing, whatever difficulty or circumstance you may be facing right now, it may not be about you at all. It may be about God getting ready to establish something in the spirit realm. God could be getting ready to birth something through your pain. He could be getting ready to birth something through your difficulty. I feel it in the Holy Ghost right now. You're going through problems and circumstances and hardness, but if you'll endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ and just stand strong, and when it seems like it's the darkest hour of the night and you've got chains all around you and, and, and shackles all around you and your mind is all messed up and you can't figure out why you're going through what you're going through and rats are crawling all over you and worms and snakes and whatever are all in it just feels like all nasty and, and 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 you're in a dungeon you can't get out of man if you would just lift up your voice in prayer and lift up your voice and praises god will begin to shake the foundation of that and you never know who you might be baptizing as a result you might be baptizing that backslid husband you might be back baptizing those backslidden children you you might be praying them back through to the holy ghost you might be baptizing that co-worker you might be oh you don't even know what's going on but some kind of I feel a prophetic word right now. The difficulty and the problems you're facing are, are not about you, but they are about what God is trying to birth in the spirit realm through you. There's about salvation that's getting ready to be birthed. There are new converts that are getting ready to be birthed because of your difficulty and your problems. Listen, just lift up your voice in praise and lift up your voice in prayer at the midnight hour and let God do something and birth something in you. Oh, come on, somebody your praise and your worship makes a difference in the spiritual atmosphere of the city and the nation and the family and the home Jehoshaphat sent the, the, the praisers in front and the Bible says that, that the, the Lord set ambushments that word ambushment means a body of soldiers that are lying in wait let me ask you a question who are God's soldiers well, we are in one sense, but the angels of God are his soldiers too. Your praise and your worship releases angels. Your prayers release angels. And I, I'm not one to say that we command angels. I, I, I don't think we do that. They get their commands from God. But God will command and release them upon our praise and upon our worship and upon our prayers. And so when they began to sing the bible says <laughs> that the lord set ambushments he put angels to lie in wait against the ammonites and the moabites and the Seirites that had come there were three kings that had gathered together against jehoshaphat and all their mighty armies they were judah was completely outnumbered by the way judah means praise can I just tell you that your praise makes sure that you're never outnumbered? 
Come on, somebody. When you lift up a hallelujah to the Lord, you are never outnumbered. When you lift up a voice of praise, you are never outnumbered because praise causes God to take notice and he sets ambushments against your enemy when you begin to praise the Lord. Oh, let me tell you, the cure to your depression is praise the Lord. You might not feel like it, but if you'll lift up a voice of praise, the joy of the Lord will come. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You might start out weeping tears of sorrow, but you're going to end up weeping tears of joy because when you begin to praise and lift up the Savior, He's going to come in and set ambushments against that spirit of depression and set you free in the name of Jesus. Oh, I feel it in the Holy Ghost right now. That is the cure to your depression. Praise God. Lift up voice, your voice in praise. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Praise Him for the victory. Be for the victory. I'm trying to behave here because I need to get some. I need to make some points here and I don't have much time left. But I feel... I feel in the Holy Ghost that the enemy, like the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Syrites did to Judah in that day, I feel like the enemy has set up camp right in the path of some of you today. And the enemy thinks that he has you right where he wants you. Hmm. You see, here's the deal. Soldiers, I, I was a soldier. Six and a half years active duty and two years in the National Guard soldiers don't just set up camp anywhere when a soldier sets up camp he does it strategically and he does it so that he has the advantage over the enemy that's why it's always talking about taking the high ground because when you have the high ground you have the advantage you can see further, you can see better. And by the way, when you fire a weapon, it's a whole lot easier to fire downhill than it is to fire uphill. Same thing with an arrow, whatever it may be. Arrow or a gun, whatever. So the, the enemy sets up camp. And when the enemy sets up camp, he does it strategically so that he can position himself in an advantageous manner to ensure or give him the best odds for victory. And some of you are here today, and God sent you here to hear this message today because the enemy thinks he has you right where he wants you. And he thinks he's positioned himself in such a way that he has the advantage over you. And he thinks that he's going to get the victory over you. And he got very comfortable and he just went to sleep in the middle of the night. <laughs> but when the people of God began to sleep, let me just back up a little bit. While they were sleeping, while the enemy was sleeping, you know what the people of God were doing? Before they praised God, what were they doing? 
Brother Sam, I don't know if you can pull it up. Second Chronicles chapter 20, a long verse. Maybe, maybe, maybe we start at verse 2. I'll just open up my Bible here. Y'all just got to let me flow in the Holy Ghost because I feel something strong right now. Maybe ha- there may have to be a part two to this message, but that's all right. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Yeah, we're going to start at verse 2. There came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gadai. Oh, I just remembered something the, the Lord showed me. That word in Gadai and Hazazon Tamar and all, when you, when you really look it up, like it, it actually talks about the eyes of the Lord seeing you. So here's Jehoshaphat. The enemies encamped all around him, basically surrounding him, outnumbering him, and all of Judah, all the people of God. And the enemy thinks that he has him right where he wants him. But they're right. Judah, the people of God, the church that Jesus built, if you will, are right in the line of sight of God. He sees you right now. He knows exactly where you are right now. He knows exactly what enemies have set up camp against you right now. He knows exactly what their battle plans are right now. He knows exactly what weapons they plan to try to form against you right now. But I'm declaring unto somebody right now the word of the Lord. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. The weapon may be formed, but it will not prosper. The weapons of the enemy that he's trying to form against you. God sees him, he already knows him, and he already has the antidote for him. Whatever poison and whatever toxin the enemy's trying to use against you, he's already got the antidote for it. Whatever venom the serpent's gonna try to bite you with, he's already got the anti-venom put in your blood already. He already knows all about it. You're already set up for victory. God sees you, he knows you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, thou shalt condemn. And that is your heritage because you are the servants of the Lord. The the Lord sees you. The enemy thinks he's got you where he wants you. But the Lord sees you and he sees the enemy and he knows exactly where they're at. But look at this. This is what happens. You get surrounded by an enemy. You're messing you up, messing all up in your mind. Get a bad report from the doctor. Amen, Sister Marlene. I, I know that feeling. I've been there just recently. Like You get all this fear. You get in this pit. You get in this despair. You get this depression. You get this frustration. You get this, you don't know what's going on. And, and, and all this anxiety and all this stuff comes against you. Can, can I just be transparent? That's, that's where I've been all week. And I'm not one to be depressed or despair or hopeless. I've always been a very positive person. I've always been a faith-filled man. I've never had to, I've never really been one to worry. I just always like, hey, I know what's going to work out. God's on my side, blah, blah, blah. But I'm telling you, for about three days, I was in a pit of despair and hopelessness, not really knowing what's going on. Didn't help that my family is away in Florida General Conference, but I told her to go because she needed to go. She needed to be there. But I'm like, what in the world? 
am I going through? What is this all about? I was in a cave hiding out. And I knew it wasn't alone because all you wonderful ladies are bringing me food. And it was just, I was, it was amazing. But I just, and I had people calling me and Sam texting me just like every day this week just about checking on me. Uh, Brother, Brother Valdez checked on me this week. And, and Brother Rosa was checking on me. And people were just checking on me left and right. And, 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 and Mama Tryon fixed me a meal. And, and, and not only fixed me a meal, but bought me all kinds of stuff that's supposed to be good for the brain. Because the, the, the diagnosis was that softening of the brain tissue. And, 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 and by the way, the, the, the pasta that's made with chickpeas isn't that bad <laughs> it's actually pretty good <laughs> I mean I, I was so loved and I knew I wasn't alone but I, I I I still felt like I was just like Lord what are you doing to me why are you allowing this and, and I, I know the truth but I was, the enemy was attacking me in every which way finally I just said look I just I'm done with this <laughs> but look at what happens Jehoshaphat feared verse 3 and set himself to seek the Lord. See, that's the thing. It's, it's, fear is going to come against you. Fear is going to attack you. You're, you're, you're going you're to deal with it from time to time. You're going you're to have it come your way. And I know that the, the Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And that's true. But that doesn't mean fear is not going to attack us. We just need to understand where it's coming from. And Jehoshaphat feared, but he didn't let his fear paralyze him. He set himself to seek the Lord, and then he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah, through the church, if you will, through the church at that time. They set a fast, and verse 4, and Judah gathered themselves together, come on church, come on ecclesia, a gathering together, an assembling of uh, together they gathered themselves together to ask help of the lord look at that see when i fear all i gotta do is, is get together with the people of god and i can ask help that's why i asked you to pray for me because i was going through some stuff and, and and that's why we pray one for another and that's why we gather together that's why the bible says forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is we, we we need to and we ought to be having church more and more as the day approaches we we need to stop uh making it easy for ourselves and and we need to be together we need to we need to be together because we encourage one another and because when we are together and we are the church that jesus built uh, and when we get together we encourage one another but when we get together we're governing the spiritual affairs of some things in our homes and some things in our marriages and some things in our families and some things in our cities and some things in our state and some things in our nations listen we got more power and more influence than we think we do because everything in the natural is just a manifestation of something that's in the spirit realm but we operate in the spirit realm they may be operating in the natural but we operate in the spirit realm and what happens in the spirit realm controls what happens happens in the physical realm that's why the church is the most powerful thing on the face of the earth even out of all the cities of judah they came to seek the lord why do we come to church we come to seek the lord we come to worship him. We come to seek him. We come to hear from him. Yeah, we come to strengthen one another and encourage one another and visit together. But I listen, I love you and I love your beautiful faces and I love getting together with you and I have fun with you. But the reason I come is so I can seek the face of God together with you so we can find the direction that God wants to take us in so we can go and take a city for the Lord so we can go and possess the promises of God. I don't come to church for you. Well, 
me take that back. I do a little bit because I'm the pastor and I'm the shepherd and I do have to be here for you. So let me, let, let me, let me retract that just a little bit. I do come for you because I love you and because I'm trying to help you and, 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 and help us find direction. But the main reason I'm here is for him. If you weren't here, I'd still be here. Because I came for him. Because he's the one that died for me. He's the one that shed his blood for me. He's the one that put his spirit inside of me. He's the one that called me to do this. You didn't call me. You might have elected me, but you didn't call me. He called me. I'm grateful for your vote of confidence. But he's the one that called me, and I'm going to be here whether you're here or not. But, oh, I'm so glad that you are here because together we can accomplish so much more. Because we're the church that Jesus built. I need you and you need me. We're a body. And it'll never come out of my mouth that I don't need you because I do need you. My God. And so, when the church gets together and starts to praise God, something begins to happen. In our praises, the church that Jesus built conquers enemies and, and, and reaps the spoils of the enemy and, uh, and takes back what the enemy stole from us. When the church that Jesus built gets together and begins to sing and to praise, it puts the enemy on the run. It puts the enemy in a state of confusion. It puts the enemy into fighting against themselves. And that's what happened when they began to sing and to praise. The Lord sent ambushments against them and, and the Moabites began to run against the Ammonites and the Ammonites began to run against the Seerites and the Seerites began to run against both the Ammonites uh, and the Moabites uh, and they didn't know which way was up and they didn't know who was friend or foe because the angels of God were released through the praises of God's people through the praises at the church oh listen I wish we would understand that when we come together and gather together when we begin to sing a few songs it's not for anybody's entertainment and it's not for anybody just to get out there and feel good and show off their gifts and talents when we get together and we begin to sing and to praise God we are sending and dispatching angels to fight on our behalf because the weapons we use are not bombs and guns but worship is the way that the battle is won that's why we can't stop praising his name we can't stop praising his name because the weapons that we release are the angels of God when we begin to praise him come on somebody clap your hands unto the Lord right now Come on, lift up a voice of praise. Let's dispatch some angels to fight on our behalf right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, let my praise dispatch an angel for my brother. Let my praise dispatch an angel for my sister. Let my praise dispatch angels against the enemy that set up camp against this church and against this in the name of Jesus hallelujah 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 somebody's victory is in my praise right now it might not even be my victory but oh somebody's victory is in my praise right now oh i 
worship you, Jesus. Oh, I praise you, Jesus. I honor you, Lord. You're worthy. Oh, you're worthy. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, your name is to be praised. I worship you, Jesus. There are ambushments that are being released against somebody's enemies right now because of the praises of the church that Jesus built. There's ambushments coming against those enemies been fighting against your marriage. There's ambushments coming against that attack in your body. There's ambushments against that, that attack on your children right now. In the name of Jesus. But listen, listen, we need to bring it down for just a moment because before, before they set the praisers and the singers up in the front, there's something else that happened. They set themselves to seek the Lord and they began to pray. And they began to ask for help from the Lord. Listen, I've had to take a lot of medicine this week, and I don't like taking medicine. And it did help me, and I followed the direction of the doctor. But the first place we ought to go when we have pain is not to a pill bottle. And the first place we go when we start having problems in our body is should not be the doctor. We need to go to the great physician. And we need to ask help of the Lord first. I wonder how much money we could save on medical bills if we would just. I'm not against doctors. I, I have to use them too. But I wonder how much money we could save. And how much needless hospital visits we could avoid. If we would just ask help of the Lord. First and foremost. Before anything else. In the book of Judges. When they were getting ready to go and finish possessing the promised land after Joshua died, they said, who shall go up first? And who was it that went up first? It was Judah, and that means praise. I wonder if we get to feeling too sorry for ourselves when we get a bad doctor's report more than we praise God. Guilty as charged. Can I just be honest? guilty as charged I've been there but oh when I began to play some worship music and I began to worship the Lord God began to turn it around in my favor God began to when I began to get on my face and seek the Lord and tell him exactly how I felt and let my frustrations out and say God I can't take this anymore and I don't know what to do with this I know you're in control I'm trying to trust you but I'm having a hard time help thou my unbelief man when I got honest with God God began turning things around in my favor maybe you just need to get more honest with God in your prayer maybe you need to tell God how you really feel Maybe you just need to get angry for a minute and yell at God, and that's all right. He can take your emotions.
He created you with emotions. He can take your emotions. He can take your tears. He bottles them up for you as a matter of fact. He can take your rage. He can take your frustration. He can take your depression. He can take whatever it is that you're dealing with. Just let it all out to him. The greatest definition of prayer I've ever seen in the Bible is when Hannah poured her soul out unto the Lord. And when she did that, God birthed Samuel, who became a prophetic voice that anointed King David, who became the greatest king by whom all the kings are measured. And Jesus is called not only the Son of Man, but the Son of David. And he came from David's lineage. But that never would have happened if a lady named Hannah hadn't got real with God and said, God, I can't take this anymore. I'm tired of my enemies messing with me. I'm tired of the ridicule. I'm tired of the shame. I'm frustrated. I'm mad. I'm upset. I don't want this anymore. Give me a child and when she got honest with God even Eli the high priest thought she was drunk God forbid that the house of prayer ever gets to be a place where real intercession and real prayer can't be recognized because first and foremost my house shall be called a house of prayer that's why he cast out the money changers. Because the place they were supposed to be praying for the lame and the sick. The place where the money changers were operating was the only place, the only room where the sick and the lame and the maimed and the blind could come and touch base with God. But the money changers came in and did not make room for those that needed healing. For those that were lost. For those that were hurting. Oh, I feel a spirit of intercession in the house right now. Church. We got to be a praying church. The church that Jesus built is supposed to be a house of prayer and we've got to get rid of everything that's keeping us from being a house of prayer and we got got to get rid of everything that's taking up space uh, that's keeping us from ministering to the needs of people because ministering read acts chapter 6 ministering to the needs of people the physical needs of people are just as important as ministering to their spiritual needs as a matter of fact sometimes you can't minister to their spiritual needs until we can minister to their physical needs that's why i'm so thankful for sister lisette and our care team because they minister to physical needs so that they can so that the church can be able to minister to spiritual needs we need that kind of stuff going on Thankful for people like Sister Ellen that serves at Food Share and, 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 and people that just do stuff. And we're going to have, uh, leading up to the holidays, we're going to have a clothing drive. I don't even know where we're going to give it yet, but we're going to have a clothing drive. And we're going to provide for needs for people that need it. And by the way, we're not just going to make it about the holidays. We're going to continue to do stuff. I don't know what it's going to look like, but if you got ideas, come and see me because we are going to make room for the lame and the halt and the maim and the withered and the poor and the sick and because we're going to be a place of hope and a place of healing. But before all that, we're going to be a house of prayer. So they prayed. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. O our God, wilt thou, this is the king Jehoshaphat praying, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. 
But look at that last phrase. Verse 12, Brother Sam, if we can get that. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Love the old song that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full, what is it, into his wonderful face. Oh, if we just learn to turn our eyes to Jesus. It doesn't matter how bad the storm is. It doesn't matter how bad the pain is. It doesn't matter how hopeless the situation looks or how big the giant looks. If we could just turn our eyes upon Jesus. I want you to stand with me, please. When they turned their eyes to Jesus and they started seeking the Lord and they began to pray, the Lord rose up a prophet. Verse 15, the prophet was Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah. He said, Hearken ye all Judah, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. When I don't know what to do, he already knows what he's going to do. The church that Jesus built needs to ever have our eyes upon Jesus. He already knew what he was going to do with your problem before the problem ever arose. He already knows what he's going to do before the situation ever arises. He knows what weapons are going to be formed before they're even formed. And in that prayer meeting, as the people of God turned their eyes to Jesus, something shifted and something changed. There were spiritual military perimeters, perimeters that were established when the church turned its eyes to its builder and maker. And they began to pray. And the man of God said, the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go you down against them. They didn't know what to do, but the man of God rose up and said, this is what you're going to do. Go down to them. This is where they're going to be. They come up by the cliff of Ziz. The enemy already knew exactly, God already knew exactly which direction the enemy was going to come from. He knew what path they were going to try to come. And you shall find them at the end of the brook. He knew where they were going to be before the wilderness of Jeruel. Then he said this, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Some battles we have to fight. Some battles the Lord's just going to fight for us. Set yourselves. Stand ye, see, ye still. And see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not. Nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. For the Lord will be with you. You've heard an inspiring message today.
And I'm standing here as your pastor, as a shepherd. And I'm telling you that we're going to pray today. And the altar is open whenever you want to come up. We're going to pray. And we've worshipped. And God has already set some spiritual perimeters, military perimeters around the enemies that thought they had you right where they wanted you. And tomorrow, you're going to go out and you're going to face those enemies. But you're not going to be afraid and you're not going to be dismayed. And you're not going to be in a pit of despair. And you're not going to be in a pit of worry. And you're not going to be in a prison of anxiety. Because the Lord is with you. And what you are going to do. When you leave this place and when you wake up in the morning, you are going to set yourself uh, and you are going to stand still uh, and you are going to march out into victory like this through praise and through worship. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. So when the sun comes up in the morning, you're going to be praising God. And when the sun goes down tomorrow, you're going to be praising God. See, when the sun goes up in the morning, the enemy is still set up in camp against you but when you begin to sing and praise in the morning the angels of God are going to be dispatched to fight on your behalf and that enemy that you that that you thought was going to be so scary and so mighty and you didn't know what to do he's going to be so confused that he's going to fight against himself and by the time the sun goes down you're going to be praising God for the victory because it's already happened God is going to fight your battles for you and I wonder if we could just make our way down to the altar uh, and if we could just begin to pray and maybe just in this service in worship right now let's just worship the Lord uh, let's praise him for the victory before we get the victory and by the time the sun goes down tomorrow there's going to be victory in your finances there's going to be victory on your job there's going to be victory and healing in your body come on somebody the church that Jesus built is victorious. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church that Jesus built. Come on, church. Jesus is building you. He's building you. He's building you. You are an unstoppable force because you're part of the church that Jesus built. Persecution didn't stop the church in the book of Acts. Imprisonment didn't stop it. Division couldn't even stop it. They had arguments, but they worked it out. Division and disunity couldn't stop it because they fought for unity. Nothing could stop the church. And nothing is going to stop this church. We are moving forward in Jesus' name. When the sun comes up in the morning, there's going to be praise on my lips. And my praise in the morning and my praise even right now is dispatching the angels of God to fight on my behalf. And when I go to bed tomorrow night, when the sun goes down tomorrow night, I'm going to be walking in the enemy's camp, taking back everything that is stole from me. I'm getting my family back. I'm getting my 
relationship with my kids back. I, I'm getting my marriage back. I'm getting my finances back. I'm getting that promotion back that I thought was stolen away from me. I'm getting back my health when the doctor gave me a bad report. But I come against that lie in the name of Jesus. Oh, I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Come on, your praise and your prayers are governing spiritual matters right now. Your praise and your prayers are setting a spiritual perimeter of angels around your enemies right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. You are setting a spiritual perimeter right now. You are dispatching the warriors of God to fight on your behalf right now. In the name of Jesus. Your worship and your praise and your prayers are releasing angels to stir up and trouble waters so that you can get healing right now in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus your praise is releasing healing in your body in the name of Jesus your prayers are releasing deliverance in your mind right now in the name of Jesus somebody's praise is going to deliver you from a pornography addiction in this house today in the name of Jesus oh I feel it in the Holy Ghost I come against the shame that comes with it that will try to keep you bound you will be set free from that shame because that's the only way that pornography thrives but in your praise you are being set free you are being set free you are being set free in the name of Jesus Come on, your praise is setting you free from condemnation right now. Somebody's being set free from condemnation through your praise and through your worship right now. Come on. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Oh, if you've got the Holy Ghost, there's no condemnation. Come on. No condemnation. Let your praise break you free from that anaconda that is that is condemnation. That would literally suffocate the life out of you. In the name of Jesus, I come against the spirit of condemnation right now. Oh, I worship you, Jesus. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Come on, let your praise set you free right now. Let your praise set you free right now. There are some of you that have not operated in your gifting and your calling for far too long because you've allowed the enemy to bind up your mind but the gifts and callings of God are without repentance and I release you from that condemnation and I release you from that lie that that calling was dead I release you to operate in your gifting right now in the name of Jesus you operate in that gift of intercession you operate in that gift of faith you operate in that gift right now in the name of Jesus 
in the name of Jesus. No more holding me down, devil. No more holding me down. Oh, you thought that calling was dead and buried, but it's not. Come on, let your worship bring that calling out of the grave right now. In the name of Jesus. That's it, church. That's it, church. Things are shifting in the spirit realm right now. Things are shifting in the spiritual government of this city and your home and your family and your life. In the name of Jesus, through your praise and through your worship. That the sun is set free. It's free indeed. No more chains of slavery. Come on. Come on. I've been delivered. I've been delivered. I've been delivered by the hand of the Lord. I've been delivered. No more chains holding me. I've been delivered. I've been delivered by the hand of my Lord. I've been delivered. Oh, I've been delivered. I've been delivered. The hold of the devil had on me. He ain't, ain't got, got no, no more. I've been, been delivered. I've been delivered. I've been delivered by the hand of the Lord. Oh, well, come on. I've been delivered. Through my praise. The holy devil had on me. He ain't got no more. I've been delivered. Oh, the holy devil had on you. He ain't got it no more. He ain't got it no more. He ain't got it no more. 